right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. My name is Randy. Thank you for joining us. This is uh, a bit belated, but our 2023 LPGA season recap episode and what a season it was. Before we dive into everything, let me introduce the fellow folks on the show with me, my, my teammates. Uh, let's start Mr. Tron Carter, Jacksonville, Florida, TC. Hello to you, sir. How are you? Is this the 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 ball knowers episode? Ball knowers only. Yep. Ladies ball knowers. Lady ball knowers. That's exactly right. It's great to have you, TC. Uh, next up, Cody McBride from Dallas, Texas. Cody, how are you today? Big. It's an honor as always to be here. Thank you for inviting me onto your show. I can't wait to break down uh, an awesome year, not only in professional women's golf, amateur golf, all all golf uh, on the the women's side has been fantastic so thank you again for having of me of course of course and last but certainly not least also from florida outside the jacksonville area miss jordan perez jordan good morning good afternoon whatever it may be how are you today very happy to be here with you all so thanks for bringing me on i'm finding an alarming amount of gray hairs for 26 um so i'm really ready to talk some palate cleansing lpga golf mm. And I know you're cold. It's TC said it's Florida cold today where you are. So uh, really T's and P's to you, Jordan. I, I know you're struggling with the cold. It's about 70 degrees. <laughs> it's, it's downright frigid. <laughs> it's in your bones. I'm struggling. Of course. Well, before we dive in, I want to thank our good friends all year. And it remains the same. Titleist. This episode is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball on the LPGA Tour. And wherever competitive golf is played, you've heard us say it before, the best players in the world are playing a golf ball that's fit to their games. So like Cody and myself, Lilia Vu, Celine Boudier, Amy Yang, we all trust the performance of the Pro V1X, which gives all of us a little bit more height and spin with slightly firmer feel. Tron, I know you're in the Pro V1 that's people like Allison Corpus, Lynn Grant, Megan Kang, just to name a few. They prefer that lower flight and spin with a little softer feel. Uh, Jordan, I don't know what golf ball you're in. Are, are you in? Uh, what, what golf ball are you in? I got to step up my game. I, I'm feeling very inadequate here. Yeah, yeah. We'll get you into a title list here. Uh, we'll figure out. I'd be super curious to know what the what the breakdown is between X and Pro V1 on the LPGA Tour, just as it relates to like descent angle into greens, because that's a massive, massive deal in, in the ladies' game. Yeah, we should ask the Titleist folks to to give us that data if they're allowed to. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question, T. I mean, I think it's just Daryl survey data. You know, yeah, we could talk to Daryl. <laughs> Whatever the case, all you guys listening, head over to Titleist.com. You can start the ball fitting process and see which model is right for your game. Thank you very much to our friends at Titleist. Uh, guys, the season's in the books. What a ride it's been. I, I think it ended exactly how we all thought. Amy Yang is your tour championship winner. She collects $2 million. It's her fifth LPGA victory. Yeah, who wouldn't have seen that coming, you know? But in all honesty, man... Long, long year. Uh, we are recording this on Friday morning, December 8th, just because of some travel uh, this next week. So the Grant Thornton event has just started. Unfortunately, uh, we're not going to know the results of that, but very interested to watch that this weekend. Leona and, and Lucas Glover are currently 10 under through 10. They've partied their first 10 holes. That's uh, which I, I believe this is a scramble today. So I was expecting the correct scores to be a little bit lower than they are. The next closest is uh, Corpus and and Champ uh, at six hundred through ten. With Madeline Ludwig, Rose, and Sahith as well at six under. Uh, TC, uh, the one thing that I will say, looking at the scoreboard so far, because people love these early scoreboard looks, even though you know the event's going to be over next <laughs> yeah, week. Long over. St I I hate to see 
the pride of Fort Worth here. Cheyenne and, and Hogecoin just oh. slow out of the gates. They're even par through seven on a scramble. They were, they were over just, par at one point. It's just not looking good for them. Should almost be like par's your friend today, you know? Like no bogey is allowed for anybody in the in the two person scramble format. Pick it up. Yeah. Come on. We we don't they had a team double on uh the second hole par four. Yikes. Well, let's uh, there's Guys, we're going to go through a lot of stuff today. We're going to kind of recount some of our favorite moments of the year. We're going to talk about a bunch of individual players. We're going to look back at our beginning of the year predictions. We got some kind of meaty discussion topics towards the end. But I think we start right here. I, I, I When I was sitting down to, to do the preview and thinking about this episode and just the season... It just feels like 2023, and please jump in here if if anybody feels differently or or whatnot, but I think the thing that 2023 is most going to be known for is just the breakout and the ascension of Lilia Vu. Does anybody object to that? I mean, that's to me, that's like quite clearly what 2023 has been all about. No objections from me, Your Honor. Codeman, you want to come in tell me about you know, any anything else on your mind? <laughs> no, I agree with you on that. I think it's truly phenomenal from looking back at the, the close of CME Tour Championship last year. I think she was 41st. By the time the year calendar year wrapped around, she was all the way up to 43rd in the Rolex rankings. She's held on to that rank uh, as number one in the world now. And it's it's just a truly phenomenal ascent, I will say. Very much deserving. And for people who hopefully have listened to this podcast all year, but the opportunity that we had at just prior to the International Crown of sitting down and talking to her and going through her backstory and the path through COVID and really some dark, dark times and finding the courage and, and mustering some more mental strength to kind of, you know, say, this is what I, I know I'm capable of this. I have to believe in myself before anybody else will believe in me to go out there, continue to dig it out of the dirt. At one point in time, she thought about hanging it all up and to see where she's at now, a multiple major winner, just capping off a, a phenomenal, phenomenal year. The only thing I think that she would say is she's bummed out about is that Solheim Cup defeat. Um, but everything else just completely went Lily Vu's way. Defeat, not tie. I like it. Jordan, does anything you? How much of Lilia did you know about through her amateur career? Did and did anything we saw this year shock you? Would would talk to me about your feelings with Lilia this year? So Lilia's amateur career kind of ended right around the time that I started paying attention to the amateur game. But just in retrospect, she always had. She was really kind of a phenom for basically her entire amateur career. I mean, playing junior golf in Southern California, she was just the kind of person who was just winning everything and then eventually goes to UCLA and becomes the number one amateur in the world. And I think there was always this standard for her that she always had to achieve. And that's why the lowest of her lows were just that much harder. And I think to kind of see this resilience this year and how that's translated into one of the most epic years we've seen in years past on the LPGA is tremendous. And it, it really just speaks to the level of talent and how incredible she is. Just as also a side note, I, I also love what she represents for first generation Americans. I, I think that's incredible. And there's a lot of inspiration and there's a little, there's a good amount of vulnerability that she gives off. And I think she's really good for the game. And Cody, to your point about the Solheim Cup probably being maybe the one blemish, if, you know, it's not that big, but fairly big, I guess, in the context of how much it means to those players. I mean, she's still going to be such a huge part of trying to get it back in 24. Cody, you said ascent as well. I think just as impressive as the ascent is, you know, winning like like she won the what third event of the season in Thailand and then she won the first major of the season and then she won the last major of the season and she won what the second to last tournament of the year yeah. so i think on that front it's like not only did she ascend she also 
you know, kind of found her way at the top and stayed there and has just only furthered that ascent of, Hey, you know what? Like, it, like it, it wasn't just, I'm going, I, like I got to the top of the mountain, I'm staying here and I'm just getting started, which I feel like it's, it feels sustainable. With an injury in there as well. I mean, you guys got, I don't know if you remember post Chevron, she completely fell off. She had some really bad results. She took time off just trying to, you know, nursing. I can't remember if it was a wrist or an elbow, something clearly going wrong there. And, and honestly, we thought that she was just kind of done for the year. And then as soon as she got healthy again, she just completely like regained this amazing form that she showed at the start of the year and just continue marching on. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And, and Tron, that's a great point too. It's not like she rode a hot like two months, right? Out of what, eight months of calendar play. Cody, you're right. You know, I, she missed the cut at both the U.S. Women's Open and the KPMG. And I think all of us were like, okay, what's, you know, what's going on? How serious is whatever this injury is that she's dealing with? But thankfully, it, it wouldn't be that serious or she was able to get over it and, and regain her form quickly to put a, uh, a punctuation mark on, on her season and our conversation. She won over three and a half million dollars on the LPGA this season four wins, the two majors, the, the four wins are the most by an American woman in a single year since 2012 when Stacy Lewis also won four times and the two majors this, I mean, this is incredible. And I, I know we talked about it both in the moment at the women's British open, but winning two majors for the first time since 1999, Julie Inkster. So very rarefied air for Lilia Vu. And I think to me, the, the biggest realization was just watching her pass Nelly Corda. Like there's no other way to say it. Like it's, it's the, the pecking order now is Lilia Vu then Nelly Corda. And I don't think I certainly didn't have that on my bingo card headed into this year, but um, good on Lilia Vu. I, the, the only thing I wanted to mention as well, she officially clinched the LPGA Player of the Year Award. It's a points-based award. Uh, so she actually clinched that at the Tour Championship by virtue of her finish, and Celine Boudier had to win uh, to even have a chance. So it, it came down to the final week for the Player of the Year as well. Lilia got that done. And you add it all together, and it was just a fabulous, fabulous season. And I think something we all wanted out of an American woman. I just don't think we thought it would be Lilia Vu. I think I test, too. You know, she won Thailand. She won in Texas. She won on, on a Heathland course at Walton Heath by six shots. Yeah. She won in a playoff at Chevron. Like, she won all different sorts of ways. She won over a resurgent Angel Yin. And then, you know, Charlie Hall just like beat the hell out of Charlie Hall in that final round. Yeah. You know, 67-67 on the weekend at uh, Walton Heath. And then, you know, goes super low at at uh, Pelican at uh, Gamebridge to win. So it's it's different kinds of wins, mm -hmm. you know, which is which is impressive too. Cody, I, I guess my the one of the questions I'm interested in is if if we look forward towards next year. What what are your expectations? I you know with with great success come great expectations. W what do you think uh, we should expect? What do you think Lilia should expect as we look to twenty twenty four and beyond? I think I think Jordan had a great point earlier about n not just highlighting the fact that she's a first generation American, but there's a bit of vulnerability with her. There's a bit of of openness, and she kind of lets you into how she's feeling what she's thinking about. And I think that translates very well to her game. Like you can kind of see when she's, when she has it all together, you can see when she's not really doing it. And I think the biggest thing is that Lilia has remembered again that like, she's a really good driver of the golf ball. She's a phenomenal iron player and she can just scramble her ass off. And like when she gets in a spot to make putts, like she makes them in buckets like she's extremely consistent when she's healthy. I hate putting expectations on people, but like really, I don't see another Cody's American for 12 majors. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, that's not my block to stand on. That's obviously Neilers. But I would say that like we have a, a I, I we could see her 
contending in major championships next year. She'll clip off another couple wins. She has more experience under her belt. Obviously, it's a, a higher platform that she finds herself in that doesn't seem to be bothering her at all. She is still the exact same person. Hopefully, we can get the girl a little bit more like more worldwide or recognized branding because that I know that Kingston Fury brand that she wears on her hat is like very local and, and tied into where she grew up at. And, and I think it's like a family friend of hers. But hopefully, as she continues to grow, her profile continues to grow in the game. Cody wants her that to her, her, her play does. I, I, I agree. Wells like, I think Fargo she, on her hat. Or- well, I wouldn't say Wells Fargo, but like she's the number one women's professional yeah. player in the world. And I think that when you look at, at business and everything, it's not reflective of that. Yeah. And it really sucks. You know, and I don't think this is not just a fluke. She is going to be around, and I expect a lot of very, very good things from her next year because I think, you know, outside of maybe running and and form that we've seen and, and obviously Lynn and Rose and some of the younger people getting full years under their belts, like who else held their game together throughout the complete year more than she did? You know, it's it's hard to not have lofty expectations for. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Jordan, anything as far as what, you know, what you'd like to see, any expectations to, to add to what Cody said? Yeah, I mean, going into 24, she quite frankly had the best year in professional golf. And that's going to be just that, like I said earlier, that increased standard that she's going to keep trying to live up to. But it's... I, I don't think she's going to have much of an issue with that. I mean, she just has a game that feels really like indestructible right now. And I really think, especially watching her at Walton Heath really solidified that. Like we watched Chevron and we were like, okay, yeah. So Lilia Vu has a fairly high level of credibility. She's here. She is among one of the top players. But when you watch, watch her at Walton Heath, it was like, oh my gosh, like this she she's clearly a cut above the rest. And I, I I think it's grating to almost consider it in the context of the golf year we had because it's like kind of to your point, Cody, like it it just what there wasn't enough love for it and there should be more love for it. And I hope there is in 24. I think uh I, I don't have a ton to add. I I echo everything you guys said. I I, I just want to add that the thing that I think I like the most about Lilia and her her golf game is her demeanor and her mindset. And Cody, you you touched on that a little bit. That's what shone through when we had a chance to talk to her in San Francisco, do the do the podcast interview with her. And if anybody has not listened to that, it's pretty evergreen. I would encourage anybody to go back and and listen to that. She she just comes across as so comfortable and confident in her own skin and just clear eyed about she wants to she wants to win you know and, and as funny as it is to say this out loud like sometimes i just don't get that sense from different women even men you know like i i think that's not a guaranteed mindset necessarily out on tour and i i just love kind of walking away from that conversation with lilia being like she she like she wants this. She wants to go hunt people. She wants to like stack trophies and majors and with love hunting people. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. But but doing that with like in a well spoken kind of thoughtful way off the court. I I don't know. It's just this what I think this like wonderful mix of kind of killer but thoughtful and she she knows when to turn it on and kind of turn it off. I. Just so impressed with her. I, I cannot wait for 2024. Cody, I think you said, you know, it's going to be lofty expectations. I think they're deserved. I think they're warranted. And I just can't wait to see how she goes about following up her 2023 season. You know, we uh, we put a lot of stock de- definitely deserving of it on Lilia. I think, you know, we forget. Do you know who she played? She was grouped with in that final round at Chevron. Which... Because Lily is the one that came out with two major championships, but she was paired in that final she with Charlie with Allison Corpus. Allison Corpus at Chevron. Oh, oh at Chevron. They at Chevron. both okay. were tied for the lead at 10 under par, going starting that final round. And Allison ended up having a really, really bad final round shot, 74. Uh, ended up finishing T4 there. Obviously, 
Lilia shot 68 in that final round. Angel with that, uh, you know, 72, but they both ended up at, at, remained at 10 under. And it was just, it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, wow, really one round there. And this phenomenal season that we're talking about from Lilia Vu. And, and obviously she had, she had other victories on top of that as well. But like, we could be saying Allison Corpus is here with, yeah. you know, the, the top U.S. player with two major champions for the year. That's that's a great point. Randy, you're so right. She just dusted Nelly this year. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, like Nelly's on, like, you know, you're on the terminal watch list here. <laughs> yeah. I know, we're going to have a chance to talk about Nelly, but that's one of the things I'm most fascinated to see is like, okay, Nelly, like, you got to show us something here in 2024. You know, I, I want to see what kind of pride Nelly has. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Guys, the next thing on the agenda, I wanted to kind of go down memory lane and recount some of our favorite moments of the year. So I asked you guys to come with, with um, what was it, your top three. So, Jordan, can we start with you? Maybe we'll just go around. We'll see where there's overlap. But what was your third best moment this year? Allison Corpus winning at Pebble, just tying it into bringing up Allison Corpus already. I mean, she... By Friday, it was kind of over for everybody. And I know that was tough to believe, but, you know, she kind of came out a very much a quiet killer and kind of to the same effect as Lilia. She's a hunter. She wants it. She was made for that moment and really made for Pebble. And it was kind of incredible in the context of her having never played there and just it fit her game so well, being from Hawaii, just being such an Oh gosh, one of probably one of the best ball strikers I've ever seen. I, I just I Allison's performance that week really tied a bow on something incredible, and that there were makings of that at the end of her amateur career and taking that final year at USC and really coming into her own and finding her game and just finding the confidence to continue because she almost stopped playing golf altogether, right? And then just a few years later, she's a major champion. So for me, that was my third favorite moment. You got some lofty, lofty moments here. If that was number three, I want to <laughs> piggyback on that, Randy, because uh, since we're talking about Pebble, first time ever has been a women's professional event held at Pebble Beach. I think that is historic to begin with. It showed out great. We got incredible weather there, and I think a very deserving champion, but it wasn't without a little bit of drama. We were there. It was a phenomenal week from us doing live from the doghouse. Thank you, Mr. TC, for the excellent woof, hospitality woof. that was set up and our partners there at Roback. Jordan was with us on site. KVV and his daughter. It was a phenomenal week uh, uh, for NLU uh, doing live shows there. But we got one of the quotes of the year, I think. That's from Ms. Charlie Hall. Shy kids don't get sweets. She absolutely grinded her tail off. Charging on Allison, we had Annika with the shadiest drop we've ever seen. And it just, and everybody just seemingly has forgotten about it. Oh, just let it go. She gets into Augusta. She gets her own tournament now. It's, oh, by the way, that week was supposed to be the send off for Michelle, but Annika just wouldn't let that happen. The other thing, what? First time ever that the LPGA Tour or major championship brought in Shotlink. What we learned. Hey, stats and having that shit actually matters. It helped us big time talking about live shows. Talk us, uh, helped us big time explaining things, predicting things. I still don't understand. Hopefully something continues to to come from that. Um, uh, what else happened that week? Bailey Tardy? Uh, miss- jumping Bay- out to an early lead? Bailey Tardy. She ran out there and she ran out there quick. Obviously, I think everybody, uh, except maybe her mom and her dog, as we learned, uh, <laughs> knew she was kind of going to run out of steam. I don't She's know. If still we, pissed at Randy. Yeah. No, no, I don't know we if did. we've told that that full story. But I'm going to say it here because I don't I don't mind embarrassing the big guy a little bit. But he actually he apologized to her face to face. He apologized, I think, to her dog as well, and. Uh, at one point yeah, in time, maybe. the decision the decision was in order for Bailey to accept the apology, Randy had to get on a knee to do it. That was too much for me. If you'll remember that, listen, uh, Lauren Coughlin, we were at the... What are you apologizing for? Exactly, TC. We were at the fan village at the 
women's open in in london and lauren's like hey here's bailey bailey remember this is randy he was talking all that shit about you at the at the at the u.s open and uh we had a good laugh i i said i'm i'm sorry bailey uh i'm sorry i'm not sorry i don't think i really apologize because i don't think i have anything to apologize for uh, don't worry, TC, though. I have the whole entire thing on video. So one of these days, if, if Randy wants to walk that back, I, I have the evidence there. We all might have been uh, a couple beers deep, too. So it was it was multiple. It was a Cody. This is this is the longest moment in golf history. Well, I'll say this. I'm going to ca- I'm going to cap it off here. And that viewership for the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach was up 118 percent than it was the year prior at Pine Needles. That's not a shot at Pine Needles, but it is a shot that golf courses matter. The venues matter. Championship actually matters. The investment in the purses matter. Having statistics matter. Having additional streaming matters. And if you have it on primetime TV, people will watch. Amen. 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 TC, what was your third third best? Yeah, Randy, you know, you, you... so you gave us a lot of homework. I, it right? was. Taskmaster. Yes. You look like a professor today, by the Thank way. You, you got this this Thank maroon get up on with some plaid it's kind it's of a flannel sweater and a shirt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I took it as moment of the year. Could be bad, could be good, right? Of could course. Be symbolic. So we'll get to, you know, maybe a negative moment of the year for me. But uh positively, my third moment of the year, I thought match play. This is quickly turning into one of my favorite events to watch all year. Uh, I thought it was a great, great uh, semifinal, great quarterfinals. Shadow Creek has turned into like, it's a compelling venue for to watch the ladies on. They had it dialed up to a million. The greens were <laughs> yes. so firm. Yes. They had some outrageous hole locations coming down the stretch. You know, Lynn Grant, I think, finished in third. Uh, it was just a, it was a really good field. It was a really good, the best ball strikers really rose to the challenge. And uh, so I just wanted to shout that one out. That was thinking back and reflecting upon the year. That was one of my favorite events of the year and just favorite moments of the year. And it's going, going to a new date next year. They're moving it up yeah, a little better. bit. Yeah. Yeah. It should be better spot on the calendar. You're exactly right. That course is a phenomenal match of the course and they, they do not make it easy. <laughs> Which is which is cool. My third favorite moment of the year, I went with Rose Zhang winning the Mizuho, and specifically that playoff with Jennifer Cupcho. It was good versus evil. <laughs> Your words, not <laughs> mine. Uh, I, I I just remember. So I was out in New Jersey. I was caddying for a buddy of ours, Matt Bartnick, in a thirty-six hole U.S. Open qualifier. And this was the day before. So the the day I arrived Sunday and meeting at the hotel and we were going to go get a bite to eat and just talk about the next day. And the playoff was going on and we, we were both so invested. Like we were watching it in our phone. We, we had it on in the car driving to dinner. We, we had it on at the table. Like it was thinking back, like I was so invested in that moment and watching Rose Zhang, I forget if it was a hybrid or a three wood that she eventually hit in um, to just a few f- feet to win the playoff. But man, uh, so much excitement. Of course, her first pro start, I think the expectations got turned up to a million. Uh, but that was, I, I don't want to lose sight of just like that was a fun moment and uh, hits number three on the board for me. We can go snake style. I'll just go ahead with my second favorite moment is the women's second moment. The second not moment. Favorite moment. The second best moment I thought was, and it's not like a specific moment in time, but it was more a day, was the Lilia Vu capturing the, the women's open and just taking it from Charlie Hall and I don't know. I was just so impressed. Charlie being the the local favorite, everybody was behind her at Walton Heath, just there outside of London, and just seeing the the steely reserve and uh, like I know we toss around the word killer, but that day to me was like, damn man, like Lilia is a killer, and I don't know. That's that 
when I was kind of just reflecting back through the season, that just so impressive to me. So I had that as my second uh, best moment. TC, what was your second? A lot of different ways I can go. You know, Grace Kim at the Lote, running in. That was a great tournament at Palace Verdes. Megan Kang finally getting the W. You know, got to shout out our friends up in Canada. That's a best in class event up there. Uh, you know, all sorts of stuff with Charlie. But I'm going to say Solheim Cup for me, just the being on the ground, being able to see in person what nobody could see on TV, just simply because they weren't showing it. Like the seeing Lynn Grant get off to that start uh, or, you know, watching um, Megan Kang play exceptional golf. Just she's a complete bulldog out there. Junkyard dog. You know, just like, you know, Lexi played great. Like there was just some outstanding individual performances at the Solheim cup. And I thought that represented kind of the best of the best of women's golf. Even if it was kind of an analogy for women's golf at large, you got this, this great action out there. And then, you know, the, the venue selection and the, the concessions, like they, they did everything they possibly could to fuck it up <laughs> and the golf still <laughs> rose above the mix and shined. So. That's a great one. Who is it? Cody? What's your second favorite moment? Yeah, I or best moment. Uh, see, that brings back a lot of really good memories, uh, and I agree with you for the for the purpose of this podcast. I'm going to switch it to a different team event, though, and that's actually having the international crown back. I think it was awesome to be able to see these groups of players that you know the, some of these countries truly are just like you know, have some absolute killers on their squads that don't get the opportunity to play in the Solheim Cup. Specifically, obviously, we could talk about Korea, talk about China. We could talk about this young Japanese team that that comes out and is firing. This massive squad that the Aussies bring with them everywhere uh, was so impressive watching them. They tried to play the underdog that entire championship, but ultimately ended up absolutely getting steamrolled by a a young but with veteran experience Thai team led by, you know, Atitika and Patty. And then you had the Jutanagarn sisters out there that just ripped people's throats out. It was a clean sweep in that final round match. And then really not seeing much from any of the Thai team the rest of the year. Like they just kind of disappeared. They came out, they did some, some like crazy killer shit. And then they just like took their ball and kind of went home. You know, I think really quick. Did you, did you combine Ataya's last first name and last name? <laughs> I did. I was so I'm trying to think through it. Thank you. Atitica. Uh, you know, a good I nickname. Think, <laughs> thank you. The, yeah. The fact that her winning rookie of the year last year with everything that she had going on and just bursting out on the scenes, she had the highest hopes, expectations placed upon her for this year. And she was, she was right there. If you look at scoring averages, she was right there. If you look at top 10, she was right there. She just didn't win. And it, it's crazy to, to, to look at it and see how well she played and the, that final result not just being there. But I thought it was awesome. Guys, real quick, I, I feel bad for mentioning Solheim Cup without like the moment of the Solheim Cup. Oh, no, Cup. don't ruin it. That was, was my number one. Oh, that was my okay, number okay. one. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. All right. Yes. All right. Easy now. All right, Jordan, what do you got? All right. I, I'm here. I'm here to steal it. My number two was the most inflammatory moment of the Solheim Cup in Hold which on. what's your number one gonna be then? Because that feels like you're going in like reverse order here. No, it's it, it's gonna or be my number she two. Saying I, gotta, Lexi. I gotta end it on a positive note. I think she's okay. going Lexi. Here. I am saying Lexi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am Let's saying Lexi. It. I I I feel I there's a little too much positivity right now, so I need I need to need to add a dose of negativity. But no, um, yeah, Lexi's uh, chip shank and not <laughs> not wanting to comment on that was equal parts a really fun thought exercise in terms of how athletes, you know, how athletes are a treated by the media and b how they view the media and c it's. I, I it was disappointing, I guess, and I, I wrote a column about this uh, at the time. But I it was a moment in where I think it was very fair to ask Lexi how she was feeling, what was on her mind, and what was going on. And I made this point in the column, and I said, 
I said, if you, if an athlete is moving the needle, they should be asked about the moments that they aren't either. And that, I I felt that was a moment for Lexi to, I shouldn't need to necessarily let her guard down, but it's certainly, you know, you don't have to sit there and justify it. You know, it's, it's a mistake. Obviously she had no intentions of shaking it, but it's a way of saying, Hey, yeah, that I messed up. Obviously didn't mean for that to happen, that it stinks. And you just part with it. And, you know, whether you look at the Solheim cup in retrospect and say like, that was a losing moment. I, I, maybe that's kind of a stretch, but I certainly think in terms of maybe morale and the relationship between athletes and media, especially women's athletes, because I think, Tron, you've made this point a num- number of times just about how women's a- the coverage of women's athletes always leans a little, like a little more gentler, a little more fluffier, and women should have to answer the same questions as their counterparts do, because if we want to level up the coverage and we want to be in the same place that that the narratives need to not exactly parallel, but there there's a level of seriousness that has to go on there. And so I like that moment specifically because of the, not only the thought exercise that it brought, but just kind of reevaluating, you know, the way that we cover LPGA athletes. Cause it's not a conversation that comes up often. And I, I almost appreciate Lexi for doing that. <laughs> Totally agree. I think it's kind of weird to think like I, I tweeted that video, like props to Alex Maselli for asking the question. I tweeted the video and that's what kind of let off the whole shit storm. I, uh, but you know, at some point I, I, like, I think it's a conversation worth having and a a valuable conversation. You know, I think it, it moves things forward. So. I completely agree. I think the fact, like there's so this, that entire so proper you can break down each individual little decision you can see it's one of those flow charts where it's like oh yes i made this decision this happens next or no we make this decision and it just goes away and it feels like for every single thing that happened they just continued to say yes and blame it on somebody else and it ultimately ended up being the deal that it is first of all phenomenal question very much justified in asking that Now, Lexi has that choice if she wants to answer it or not, but you could see that's why that video was so powerful. You could see this visceral reaction from her sneering and it was just, it it was an instant thing where, where it honestly, it didn't really even matter the words that came out of his mouth. As soon as it, as soon as the word chip was said, she immediately knew what was going on and she was immediately like, not just defensive, she blacked out with with like anger and she just she sat there and i understand stacy in that situation and trying to defend her her players and trying to defend this team and making sure that they have the right foot forward but there was cattiness small talk that the that the microphones picked up about how horrible it why would you ask that question and it just added to this tidal wave that i don't think they realized was growing at the time but it 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 was it started because of them, right? Nobody else outside of the person who hit that chip, that same person who decided not to answer that question, but then answered the question in her own way, and then the captain who thought she was defending that player, but really, based off talking behind the mics that was ended up picking up, was just talking shit about it. They made it such a bigger moment than it actually was. Amen, amen. But a valuable one, nonetheless. Well, I hope a learning uh, moment and opportunity and this, the whole thing about media, and I know this specifically comes from Lexi's camp, and, and it's interesting because you can see it kind of spread out and whatever little clicks are tied in with, with Lexi and everything else like that. And, and there are certain people who are immediately defensive of the media, but I think you know we're not just like a propaganda arm of whatever you know women's professional sports are going on out there like you also need to ask the questions you need to try to figure out like when you're the person in the arena like we want to know the people want to know what is going on that was was a huge moment and obviously you know lexi since that moment has fucking played incredible golf yeah yeah, but now pe- people can't even ask her. Ian, you know, Ian, what, what changed? I would say even before that moment, she had an yeah. exceptional Solheim Cup all the way around. 
I do want to give a quick shout out to somebody close to my heart, the Dew Sweeper himself, Tony Ruggiero. Uh, speaking of pronunciations and bad stuff again, Lexi went to him like at the end of the summer and basically said, I'm breaking down. I don't know what's going on. I need to fix it. And he has helped put her swing back together step by step by step. And he is working his tail off. And like you can see the the success that they're having from it now. But again, who knows what's going to happen in 2024? all right we're back we're whipping it back around all right number one on your list jordan what do we got Ooh, i'm gonna go back to the rosang winning her first professional event and i think that really ties into kind of the few months before that where her amateur career ended where she won and won effectively completed the women's am grand slam she goes and wins another NCAA individual title and just kind of has this sort of fairy ish ending to her amateur career. But it was interesting because she was just so run down. Like I remember talking to her that week and she was like, I'm so tired. I'm just, I'm done. And she, pretty sure she was right in the middle of her finals at Stanford too. So just imagine all of those aspects like, just piling on top of you and then you kind of come out of the gate you you've played professional events but you know it, in, a, in a matter of speaking you've got a few exemptions you're just you're, you're you're trying to you know start your career and somehow you just I think she still exceeded the expectation because I think everyone knew who Rosang was and how good she was but no one knew quite how well it was going to translate and it pretty much did immediately and I think those were some of the coolest months of following an amateur tour of a professional. I, I, I TC, I'll tie it with Ludwig. I, I'm not, I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from Ludwig, but it, it, there was some of the. It, it was one of the most interesting sequences of amateur to professional I think that I've ever seen in a sport. And so, for that to kind of put the bow on just an incredible stretch of golf was was epic. And. To 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 even further bring it home, like yes, I say it was a fairy tale and that she ends up winning all of it, but there were moments of struggle and strife too. Like the Anwa win was not perfect. The win at Mizuho was not perfect. And I, I still have concerns about the putter, right? Yes, you know? yes. They 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 really they it, all of that was exposed that week, but yeah. And and I, I like that. I like that level of adversity because I, Rose Zhang's story really needed it. And she's kind of shown it just a little bit in her first season of professional golf. And I think that's only good for the plot, good for women's golf. She had this weird kind of unspoken task of trying to change the entire game of women's professional golf, which I don't think is entirely her responsibility, but she's still kind of making her mark, making her impact and going about her business in a way that's been so impressive. And so that was my number one moment. I like that. Cody? Yep, I'll, uh, I agree with that too. Very well said. We'll get more to Rose when we go down, uh, going to go down the leaderboard a little bit later with, with Professor TC. But Randy, toss it out to the rest of us. I'm going to uh, match you there. I'll say another person who won a major championship this year. Awesome, awesome year. She also won the LA Open. She is also very young, younger than people expect. Uh, and that is the the great tenant herself, Ronnie Yin. And I think she's just in the, in the year of Lynn finally playing on the LPGA Tour and Rose turning professional, and everyone else. It's like, what? Why are we not? Uh, why are we not talking about Ronnie that much? Like, what? Why is she always left out? Is it because her nationality? It's because of the way that China? She, she plays like what what's up she's number two in the world right now she was number one in the world until lily got her second second major championship i mean there's just got to be something else there uh but her absolute like she, she's a silent assassin and i think if you if you look at what the future of the lpga tour is uh a very strong ronnie with a a strong rose and Lynn and Maya and this group of amateurs that we haven't even talked about yet that are about ready to turn professional next year and come up like the tour itself and women's professional golf is in a really, really good place with purses that are going up uh, more investment into the game. And I think that's something to be celebrated. TC, what was your best moment of 2023? 
Well, Cody, again, Randy, not best, not best, just moment, <laughs> defining moment. It was the it was the broadcast debacles <laughs> at Baltus Rawl for the KPMG Women's PGA that was waterlogged, and 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 then the 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 same thing happened at Solheim Cup, just a total abdication of any sort of pride in the product or anything like that. And I think the one at Baltus Rawl really. I think that's going to set the stage for some actual change, right? We've talked to a lot of people behind the scenes and, and I'm just thinking about stuff that will have a longer tail beyond 2023. I think that one legitimately like, Hey, the, the performance there was not acceptable whether, and, and really at Chevron either like they, yeah, and, and they said, Oh, you know, somebody siphoned diesel fuel out of our production truck. Yeah. What bad luck, um, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, just, I think there's, it stops adding up enough to where it's like, hey, this is so insulting and so counter to what everybody's patting themselves on the back for as far as supporting the women's game. And, and at some point, you know, you can you can have all the the women's leadership symposiums you want and increase these purses as much as you can. But at some point, like the product matters and, and getting it out to consumers matters. And you know, I think that was a, a a watershed moment as far as you know Aunt Molly and Sam Flood and Brian Roberts and all of our all of our besties over at Comcast, Universal, NBC. Just you know, all those ghouls of like, hey, you know what? Like, get your shit together. A freaking man wasn't good, that. TC. A freaking man. Which you know what? On the flip side, like, I'll give him a lot of credit for the U.S. Women's Open. I thought they did a really great job. For that one and you know that was and that's a matter of resources and you know and sure it probably helps that fox is paying a bunch of the money to not broadcast that either so well we alluded to it earlier i thought my the most defining moment of 2023 whatever you want to say it uh headwall at the solheim cup caroline headwall uh Truly, 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 and this is now with four months to reflect, nearly four months, I think one of the most impressive stretches of golf that I've ever seen, and and I think that's as true today as that night when I said it on the Solheim Cup recap pod. Um, just to give you a sense that the Team Europe was looking like they were dead in the water as a team there on Sunday afternoon. And Ali Ewing was was Caroline's opponent. Um, Ali Ewing was three up through twelve in a match that, I mean, as things would go, if if Ali wins that, Team USA wins the Solheim Cup. And over those last six holes, Caroline Headwall flipped a switch and birdied thirteen for the win. Birdied fourteen for the win. Hard 15 to have, birdied 16 for the win, birdied 17 for the win, and then capped it off. Uh, it's an eagle on the scorecard on 18, but knocked it close and was going to two-putt birdie for 18. It ended up not mattering. So to play those final six holes, six under on the scorecard, and completely flip that match from three down to a two-up victory, to get a full point for Team Europe in that match, which again would prove would allow them to retain the cup. It, it just was some of the best golf in like the most pressure packed do or die situation I've ever seen. And it's going to be, I, I mean, sitting there, Tron, you and I were, I believe, in the media center and just watching. It was unbelievable. I mean, I, I know that the old crusty journalists don't like cheering in the media center, <laughs> but I people were erupting. And, and I honest to God think it was more so at just how great the golf shots were. I think more well, so and, and than how, the, like how rooting for Team Europe. Yes, exactly. Like just like she was the last, basically the, the most unlikely person on either team either and and hadn't done anything in the event yet like it just been kind of a, a total all right 
she's going to play one or two sessions and she she sat like the it was first one of the three. most unlikely things i've ever seen in sports yeah it's crazy it was absolutely insane yeah i just have i have this big grin on my face just even thinking about it like it was it was one of my i remember you and me just standing there in the the thing just kind of standing up be like like what about head wall like we got, we got a head wall like she's and it just we're not it dead just starts, what about head wall yeah you guys know this we talked about it on the show yeah we Neil and I were out on the course. We had no clue that it was happening. We we That's didn't right. have a clue that that was going. You guys on. thought Team I, USA I feel like was, this is a moment. Yeah, that you guys had this incredible moment, and we honestly, this is obvious based off of lack of of scoreboards and everything else that you could say again about the Solheim Cup in Spain. We had no clue that it was going on. We were standing on the 17th tee. We we, we honestly thought that we we're still going to win. Yeah. I know you guys were like Again, kind of another analogy for women's golf at large right now. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You're right though, TC, that head wall. She had sat the first three sessions. She lost her her only match. Uh what would it have been? Four ball Saturday afternoon. Like was was the most controversial pick. Was the the as far as world rankings go, had the worst world ranking of any captain's pick. Like but totally validated her selection and like really validated, I think, Suzanne Pedersen's like philosophy that week. Now, you know, Suzanne may have gotten lucky and that was that was an amazing stretch of golf by Caroline, but God, it was just such a good moment. So that was that was my number one. Was it enough for her to uh roll it back for next year? TBD. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see how things go next year. You don't want to try to, you know. You kind of want to leave well enough alone. Strike twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it would be a great way for, especially because we got Lindblad coming. We got, we got all sorts of hitters coming up. The you know the world amateur golf ranking. We got Cayetana Fernandez Garcia Poggio. We got (laughs) Helen Bream. I don't have to tell Randy about Helen Bream. No, we've had our eye on her for a while. Lottie Wode. Some incredible moments, though, both highs and lows. Mr. Big, I think we need to d- discuss, maybe do, uh, I don't know, pull out our test results here. We we picked, we had some takes at the beginning of the year. I know you have them written down here. We did. You want us to go through them. What did you assign us? Yeah, no, I, I'm just going to go through our, our beginning of the year predictions, and I want to give compliments where they're due and then i want to perhaps offer the floor for an apology if people feel warranted so i have these from like best to worst and tc i gotta give you props you were adamant you said celine boutier wins a major this year and she did kudos to you my friend i know that's uh well a designated event here i mean come on now she won. Yeah, that's true. TC, are, are how good do you feel about the the major being the Evian? Will you accept it to, you know, to validate your prediction? I'll say this. I'll say this. She won the Evian in her home country of France by six shots <laughs> over Brooke Henderson. Yes, and then I believe she won the French Open after that which is her national open she won the scottish open this year and then she won the maybank as well and she she won the lpga drive on classic she won four times on lpga she won playoff too at drive on yeah she won on uh uh maybe she didn't win the french open but she you know just a dominant pretty dominant year overall from celine especially after a really or leading into a really poor Solheim Cup performance, which we talked about at length. Uh, but no, I'm not apologizing whatsoever. Because you know what? The the question is predicated upon the five majors, not, hey, will somebody win one of the three real, real majors? All right. There you have it. Uh, Jordan, I think you can stand in for Jen. You'll remember Jen was on our preview pod. Uh, Jen was not. I don't a, remember Jen. Jen was not available for our recap pod, but Jen said, uh, in no uncertain terms, that she saw a breakout year for Maya Stark and Lynn Grant. I, I, I will say, as far as like you know, if this was a diving competition, this was a, a much lower degree of difficulty than some of the other predictions. 
but Jordan, you you are welcome to accept Jen's praises for calling a breakout year for Maya and Lynn. Yeah, that was that was an excellent prediction. That was a good take. Also, like I don't know, it, what, you what know more what? can you say? Was Lynn? I th- I was expecting. So I think I said it too. Where like I was like, yeah, Lynn's going to be top five in the world or the top player in the world by the end of this year. And I think overall, like Lynn didn't really break out. She won her first. You know, she won an LPGA event. She won a a let event, but otherwise, she kind of didn't really dominate like it was anticipated she would. Well, she hey, was still hey, hey. in the mid-20s in the world ranking. Lynn, Lynn so. couldn't come back. She, she just couldn't come back for, for no, about- no, well, she she had, she, you know, she started playing in May on, on the LPGA. So she had the bulk of the season, you know, but I think 2024, we'll, we'll get there. You're buying? You're buying 2024? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Jordan, I'll let you. I'll, I'll let you accept praise for another one. Jen also uh, was adamant that Megan Kang. This was the year for her to get a win. She did. Um, Jen had mentioned perhaps maybe Megan winning the U.S. Women's Open, which she did not. But uh, she missed the cut there. <laughs> Megan Kang getting a win. It was a long time coming. TC, I know that's near and dear to your heart as well. Uh, but that was a good prediction by Jen. Amen. The uh, TC, you had a good one. Europe wins the Solheim again, and it's more interesting than the Ryder Cup. How, how do you feel about that prediction? I thought that, you know, we're calling the retain, we're calling that a win. Um, That's a win. And I thought the Sunday singles, I thought it was a bit more compelling than than the Ryder Cup. It was, yeah. If you, and then if you strip out some of the, you know, the Hatgate stuff, the Ryder Cup's really not that interesting at all. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'd stand by that. I think it was, you know, and I, and Lynn Grant plays well and Lynn Grant did play well. She did. She did. She was, she was their alpha. So Cody, you had, I didn't quite know how to write this down, but one of your predictions was like an interesting year for Georgia Hall and Charlie Hall, the the, the two most prominent English I women. I didn't say it would be a good year. I said it would be an interesting yeah, year. Which I think, I think you oh, nailed it. That. Like it certainly was interesting. Well, it's fire and ice, right? I think that's that's what you get with those two. They're BFFs till the day they die, uh, and their play was was both fire and ice. I'm gonna run down Charlie a little bit later, but Georgia specifically. I mean, she was in that playoff with Celine. She started out the year so freaking hot. She was yeah. on on fire. She was making putts left and right. Then she started to get you know she got hurt, and then other things got in the way they they of course those two pulled out completely at the very last second of the international crown left the the proud english team kind of left wondering what's going on there there's i think that decision also is tying into some things that we're going to talk about later on in this podcast too still you got bronte is still (laughs) mad as hell about that decision i feel like bronte just mad as hell in general (laughs) if you I would have told you at the beginning of the year that Charlie was going to have the year and the results that she had and it'd be like be in contention in multiple majors. I don't think people would have thought that number one, she would have had the mental game to kind of to hold herself in there. And number two, I don't think really her form uh, starting out the year was really pointing in that direction. So um, both of them disappointed by kind of how Georgia finished the year off, obviously a, a strong showing at Solheim cup, but it was fire and ice for those two. And, you know, as I always say, happy to see Georgia in love. Jen had another good, pre- like Jen ran circles around any, you'll notice none of my predictions have come up yet because they were all dog shit. Uh, but Jen's had one of the, she really went out on a limb on these too. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. She said one of the college girls wins something big. And I think we got to give her credit for Rose winning her first pro start. I, I think that's kind of what she was alluding to. Um, the, the strength of the college game and the amateur game. She, she thought one of those people was, was going to do something at the LPGA level. And so I'll give her credit for Rose that, that was, you know, maybe not again, we're not, these aren't the highest degree of difficulty dives, but she's executing them very well. Minimal splash, great entry into the water. Uh, so I, I will give her props for that. Cody, this is an interesting one. Your, your next prediction was uh, by the end of the year, the entirety of LET will be presented by Aramco. 
I think maybe we just have to give this a few more weeks, maybe another month or two. I'm, I'm curious how you feel about this prediction. It could be the end of the fiscal year. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Never know. We're close. Uh, we're very, very close for to that coming to fruition. So I might have to ask for a little bit of an extension there, big, but uh, we'll wait and see. Okay. Uh, your other one was Andrea Lee will win a major. Bit of a, I don't yeah. know, a bit of a disappointing year, I think, maybe for Andrea. You were riding the high of the fall of last year, a, a phenomenal victory in Cincinnati and all that stuff. And, you know, up until uh, like halfway through the summer, like she was having a horrible year. She she turned it on late. She ended up making enough points, obviously, to get to that, that pick for the Solheim Cup, had a decent Solheim Cup finish. And I hope that catapults her into some some good play, the form that we've seen her definitely in college and at the start of her, her career. But, you know, it, there was no major in sight. We get into my predictions here. I said Europe wins the Solheim by at least six points. Um, that wasn't good. I said Madeline Sagstrom was going to win Pebble Beach. Uh, that wasn't good. She missed the cut. I can remember hitting it in the water twice on uh, <laughs> number six. The, the part I knew you were going to go back to that oh, drive on six. It just, it just, I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's burnt in your brain. Uh, yeah. Uh, TC, you were kind of high on Matilda Castro, and you had her winning twice. It was, yeah, Randy, I was. I was. Uh, I said, quote, Matilda Castro has a really, really big year. Spoiler alert, Matilda Castro did not have a really, really big year. Uh, she did have a solo, well, you can't call it a solo second because she had a teammate <laughs> at the Dow. Uh, she missed a lot of cuts. Didn't I, I don't think she had a single top 10 uh, other than the Dow and, uh, you know, barely hung on for her car. I think she was like 73rd in the in the CME. She's she's down to 210th in the world right now. So I can't figure that one out. I was buying up all the stock after the Solheim Cup in 21 and uh, I'll get it. You know, TC, I was right there with you with our big, bold uh, takes. Mine obviously was for the rookie Lucy Lee. I think I predicted her to be rookie of the year just to explode on the scene. That was not the case. Lucy uh, didn't even make enough points to keep her card. She had to go back to Q series. Luckily played well enough at Q series to, to retain her card and we'll be back on the LPGA tour. But uh, I was so far off, but I'm not giving up hope. So uh, if you accept a partial apology, there but the young phenom that one didn't come through we had another one you know uh of the young hitters well not young hitters and not young, our young hitters but uh a surprising Somebody's win young hitter northern yeah <laughs> i i mean i we, we hadn't even really talked about her but it was not lucy lee's year which i would be cody i i think it's good that we're mixing in some some big misses in here because otherwise it means we're not on the bleeding edge we're not being bold enough Exactly. You know, well, my, my last, the, the last prediction was mine and it, it might be it not only the worst of our bunch, it, it probably is the worst prediction that anybody's ever made. And that is, I, I said, you got to keep an eye out on Pia Babnik. Uh, she's this young Slovenian. She had, Randy, you know, we love our Slovenian. We do TC. We do. She, she had very intriguing 2022, was somebody that was uh, making some cuts at some of the majors. Uh, she finished third at the 2022 Chevron. And so I thought, hey, well, this is somebody to keep an eye on. She's young. She's she's tall. She hits the ball far. And it was it, it could not have been a worse season for her. She, if I could just quickly read her results in 2023, uh, we go cut, 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 61st cut, tied for 39th, cut, 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 tied for 69th, cut, 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 cut. 83rd withdrawal cut. Her world Sounds ranking like a surgeon. has plummeted. Um, it, it just, she must have the driver yips. There's something... Deeply, deeply, deeply wrong with her golf game. And so that is about as bad of a prediction as anybody has ever made anywhere. So wanted to call attention to that. I think moving on, we'll, we'll keep things moving here. I thought it was interesting looking at the top 10 
at the start of the year versus at the end of the year. Does anybody remember who was ranked number one in the world at the start of 2023? Taya Titicum? No. Nelly. No. Jordan? Those would have been my guesses. Yeah. Lydia Ko. Lydia Ko. Lydia. Lydia. So the top 10 at the beginning Uh, of the year was Lydia Ko, one. Nelly Korda, two. Minji, three. Ataya, four. Jin Young Ko. Lexi Thompson was sixth. Brooke Henderson, seven. Inji Chun was ranked eighth, Hyuju Kim ninth, and Nasa Hataoka tenth. And if you fast forward to to present, we have Lily. The top three all turned over. Lilia Vu's one. Runing Yin is two. Salim Boudier is three. Minji Lee hanging right right there. She's fourth. Nelly Korda only dropped to fifth. You know, as bad as we think things are for Nelly. I have to remind myself, like, she's still fifth in the world, and she had, like, a ton of top tens. Um, Jin Young Ko is sixth. Hyuju Kim is seventh. Charlie Hall, Ataya Titicum, and Jiu Lin round out your top ten. So I thought that was somewhat interesting to, to reflect on. Okay, I think this is a good time to wrap part one. Thank you to our sponsors, Titleist and FootJoy. Thank you, To everybody listening, please, please, please join us over at part two for the LPGA season recap. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Ronnie, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. 